Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the Sam. Francisco Giants. Hey, um, this is what I like to call, you know, I do, I do this every day. And sometimes I sit down, I plan it out, I, I write it out. Sometimes I, I go over it, sometimes I consult with people. And sometimes I'm like, F it. I'm on the phone with someone who is a huge baseball fan. We're connected together, and we're talking about it. And I said, That's half of what this show is is you're hanging out with your pal Sully talking baseball. Now, over the last, uh, pretty much the entire run of this Baseball Daily Podcast, say for the first few months, you've been able to follow me on my site, but also on MLBReports.com, which has been the home of not only the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, but also Who Owns Baseball is uh, exists on there, and also a lot of other great writings besides your friend Sully here. Now, the creator, the founder, the president, the lord, the king, the maestro, is the great Chuck Booth, who is, well, let's face it, he loves baseball as much as I do, and he writes about it, edits about it, blogs about it, has wonderful websites of MLBReports.com about it, and is, you know what, we're in the same league. He is my peer of baseball fandom. He's on the phone with me right now, patiently being quiet, waiting for me to throw it to him. How you doing, Chef Booth? Awesome, Sully. How you doing? I'm look at it's November. When we're recording this, it's November. I'm not sure when I'm dropping this. But uh it's November and I'm talking baseball. That's how good it is. That's how good it is. So hey, Yeah, I agree. I realize I never have had you on the show. Well, both of you and I are working so much daily to put content. Oh, it's not a surprise entirely, but it's definitely time. Yeah, and I sort of, you know, I, I like every every few weeks I do a big kind of dump on Twitter of I'll say, follow everyone who's been a guest on the show. And there's Sean Doolittle and there's, you know, there's Lisa Swan, there's Jason Keitel, there's you know, Stacey Gatsouli, it's all these people who have been on the show multiple times. I realized what I was doing it the last time, I said, wait a minute, Chuck hasn't been on. What the hell is the matter with me? And so let's uh, let's talk a little. First of all, thanks for, you know, thanks for filling a podcast here in November with me. Yeah, anytime baseball time, that's the way I say it, too. I got, I'm locked in every day as well. I'm listening to XM Radio when no one else is doing it right now in baseball season. I'm getting ready for the winter meetings. I know. I mean, isn't this the wild, you know, when, when you know, you're a fan like you and me, that you're just like, it's during the season, you're just you're pouring over box scores and you're just trying to figure out, you know, who's doing what and where and why, and, and then all of a sudden to just lose it and to not have that daily companion. I mean, that's why I do podcasts every day. It's like, because I'm sure there's there, there are schmucks out there like you and me who just need this. I don't care. I mean, uh, I'm, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving, and there's going to be a ton of football games on both NFL and college. 
and I couldn't care less. I just wanted some baseball up there. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's one of the things I like about baseball now, too, and that's why I actually decided to join the MLBreports.com and then buy it because I was looking for my fix and to get it going, and I actually did not have the intention of becoming a baseball writer ever. I just authored a few other books that had nothing to do with baseball, and I decided, well, you know what? I'd give it a shot. I got the guy who used to own the MLBreports.com said, do you want to write a couple of guest articles? And I said, sure, why not? Before you know it, I was writing seven articles a week, and then I said, well, I might as well buy this thing when he decided to sell it a year later. Well, and, uh, you know, this is, uh, it's uh, it's been a few years. I mean, how long have you been doing it? I mean, we've met up. How did we meet up? How you, I, was it Tina Baylock that hooked us up? Who, how did you it, and I it was. I can tell you exactly how it went down. I okay, was looking okay. for someone that was energetic. Where I, was, I just bought the site. I was looking for as many new talent people to come over and share their experiences. And she mentioned your name and said, this guy is crazy. There's a podcast every day. And, in fact, when I, did, I talked about it, the previous owner already knew about it. And you and I had already had several Twitter exchanges over the years. Yeah. So yeah. it was I knew who you were. I just, like, I, I saw you were, you were writing every day. You were writing articles every day before you were a podcast every day guy. You were, like, Prolific. It was like 600 posts a year. I was like, this guy's crazy. And then you went to podcasts every every day. I was like, well, I wonder how long he's going to be able to do this. And then finally, she said, well, you guys should both get together and work on some stuff. Because I know before you were writing for Bleacher Report and this and that, I said, oh, well, Sully want to write for us or yeah. do anything, any content. And she's like, yeah, he probably was looking for do a little bit of a change because you, you were switching from more of a writer to a podcaster. And I said, you know, we're looking for something like that. A guy who does everything every day like that, that's what we're looking for. So she was the one who introduced us. Yeah, I, I thought it had something to do with, with Tina. I, I, uh, I've i known Tina forever and ever and ever, and I've worked with Tina. I've been friends with her. Um, yeah, I used to write all the time, and, and it was – I always made sure I had some posts every day, and I also used to contribute a lot to Bleach Report, but, you know, I, I – Sometimes something's got to give, and, and I, I've felt that the podcast was a better platform than some of the writing. Although I still, I'll still write things from time to time. It's just eventually you run out of hours in the day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, you know, and what I think's funny too is that I, I know just from even the first year I was at Elmwood Reports, we had three different podcasts going on. We had you doing a podcast every day, and I had. The, the the big ticket show was on, and I had yeah. the Two and a Hook podcast where I was guest on every week too. So we were running three podcasts all at once. And I know it was like it's almost as much work to write to do a podcast as to write a three hour article. It's, yeah. it's people don't realize how much planning and effort goes in, and you don't want to make sure you, you sound like a goof either. So you're you're doing your research beforehand. So it's not like you're not doing a ton of work still. It's just you don't have to do three hours in front of a computer at once, and you, it's a little bit different in that audio-wise. Yeah, and I also can improvise a little more too. I mean, the, you know, I mean, you know that when you have the mic in front of you, that sometimes something can uh, click or something you could come up with something you may not think of as you're typing because you're hearing it unfold out loud. And so, it's, and it's also a little of my comedy background. Uh, my stand-up performing is can come out there. Some of the inflections and sometimes some of the humor can come out there. And I just enjoy it. I mean, I would love look. If I could make this my full-time job, 
I would write two articles a day and do a podcast a day. Boom, there you go. And uh, so someone out there, uh, put aside, give me $100,000 a year, and I'll do that for you. So, so if, there's a, if there's a chic out there or something like that wants to pay for this, that's my, that's my asking price. But, yeah, you've been, this has been a great partnership. And, and I've been, you know, especially when I started doing the Who Owns Baseball, and, and, and that became a, MLB Reports was a great uh, platform to post that on there. So every day, you know, through my own crazy method, you get to see, all right, who did the best every day. And that, that, that was fun. Yeah, and we really appreciate that, especially when I went on the road all every day for the for a game and every day of the season last year when I was out there to have a human baseball and a podcast automatically up on the site was just a lifesaver for for us providing content because I was on the road. It's not like you can get to post stuff or edit somebody else's article and put it up when you're you're traveling from New York State all the way to California in one day. So to have you do that was just absolutely perfect, and it, it was. I think it works so good, too, because we're so different in contrast with how you present your stuff. And then what we talk about in the same, like, we're still using our same opinion, but it's just so different. And, like, you'll bring my one of my brother's favorite podcasts is yours, was your podcast you did about the royal baby. Like, that's yeah. what my brother said. That was the funniest podcast. Sully had me in stitches. I blew soda all over my, my stereo laughing so hard. Yeah, well, I, I remember that. I, that was, I was proud of that, and that was not – one I improvised. I did plan that one out. But yeah, it was, you know, we all have a thing. For some people, it's a royal baby. For some people, it's baseball. It's none, you know, no judgment. But uh, hey, let's get a little bit towards some of the stuff that you do and some of your stadium trips. Because one of the things I love that on MLB reports is we get, there's a little bit of where's Waldo with you because you have been prolific in visiting your stadiums and, and baseball passport and everything like that. So, well, why don't you talk a little bit about some of your journeys and the passport and everything and, and get people knowing a little more about Chuck Booth here. Okay. Just for everyone to know, I, I had a university offered to play in Lynchburg, Virginia when I was growing up and I had concussions that forced me to retire by the time I was 18 or 19. I played with several guys that made it in the majors. Like I caught Chris Reesma who came out of Calgary, and he went up playing, playing for the Reds and the Mariners. He had a nice little career. There. I was ranked higher than when we were kids. Uh, so I stopped playing baseball. So for about 10 years, I kind of said, well, if I'm not going to play baseball ever again, I'm definitely not setting foot into a stadium ever. So I had only been to Toronto's Sky Dome and Montreal's Olympic Stadium at that time. Even though I only live 100 miles from Seattle, I had never gone to a park. Well, in 2005, I went to my first ballpark on my honeymoon with my then-wife. And from there, I was hooked, man. I said, this is the best thing ever. I can't believe I stopped ever loving baseball, like, to watch games live. So from there on, I, I've chased so many records when it comes to ballpark going and stadium events. I own the Guinness Book of World Records for the fast human ever to go to all 30 parks, which is 23 days. And I've gone to four other parks all 30 parks, four times in the last seven years within a season. So, like, last year was the was the biggest one of all. I went to, you know how you do baseball every day. I went to a baseball game live every day for the whole season. Every 179 days of the regular season there was a baseball game. I was in attendance there. I missed three games due to cancellation and rains, but they were all made up as part of a doubleheader 
and I went to that makeup game, and it was I was in the park already for that doubleheader for the next day or whenever they rescheduled it. So every game that I said I was going to go see, I did. I went to 224 games. So it was 46 doubleheaders and one tripleheader. Ah, wow. And, you know, folks, this is what I say. Chuck Booth and I are, are cut from a similar cloth because that's the dedication. And that's, you know, you say, you know, for me it's just I sit in front of my computer for, you know, 40 minutes a day, you know, recording and editing. That's making the effort to go. And you hit every stadium? Last year I hit every stadium, and as I've done, the other three times were for a record chase for quickest, and I'd have done all 30 parks under a month. So not only do I write a lot of articles about baseball park chasing, but I also kind of a road travel guru. So that's right. another part that we've written on the MLBreports.com. I'm definitely well-versed. I have a courier for job for my regular job that I make the, the dollars, so I'm listening to baseball time and thinking baseball. But because of that, I've rented a car every day since 2007. I have a permanent rental car, which affords me like 20 or 30 rental car days free in a year. So I started going to all the ballparks every year, and I would have rental cars that I would pay, and I would be able to buy a couple of hotel rooms and airplane cars just by having spent so much money as a courier. With my Visa or my Mastercard or American Express or whatever it was, so I started getting really good at that, and that's that's how I'm at. So to do all of these world record trips has been awesome. But last year was the first year that I'd taken so much time away when I was still simultaneously the owner of this website. So to have the big lull, I mean, we saw some some of the views come down, and I'm glad we responded this year with our best year ever. Yeah. Well, look at let me let me ask you some of the questions because. I'm not going to, you know, inevitably I say, what's your favorite ballpark? And everyone will will rattle off the same ones. Um, Which ballpark that you went to was the most, the biggest pleasant surprise that you went to? I'm going to say Comerica Park in Detroit. And I will also say Coors Field in Denver. And I think a lot of that has to do with the red brick outlay. Just And I will tell people, because my favorite park is San Francisco, AT&T Park yeah. is just the best ballpark out of all. And of all of my buddies that have gone to all 30 parks and a lot of the other people have gone, AT&T always consistently is ranked number one by all of them. Yeah, Not I all agree. of them, but like the more percentage of people will say AT&T rather than any other park. But definitely Comerica Park was a surprise for me, and so was Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, AT&T Park, I'm not just saying this because of my proximity to the Bay Area, but it's just the best. It just you, you, you go by it, it feels like it's been there forever, even though I have vivid memories of China Basin being just basically a, a, a wharf. And it fits perfectly into the city. It has the best new tradition, which is the – the boaters uh, rowing up to into McCovey Cove. The every sight line is great. It's just, it's they went from Candlestick, which could have been the worst, to the absolute best park, and it has all the advantages of a traditional park and all the advantages of modern stadium building. And it's uh, man, it's tremendous. So I've arrived there eight different ways. I've taken a boat before. I've taken the BART. I've taken a trolley train. I've ridden a car. I've walked. You know, there's so many different ways to do that. And the park itself is not just awesome. They have 70 different sandwiches on the menu. I actually counted last year when I was there. They have 
the crab fries, of course. They've got garlic fries. They can get a salmon sandwich in center field. They got the, one of the best undiscovered gems of the whole park is right underneath the glove. They've got a three dollar Coke machine that nobody knows about. So when you're in line, you want to get a soda and you don't want to waste half an hour in line. You got three dollar bills on you. You just go and put them in the vending machine and get a cold Coke coming at you. That kind of little thing is something that people don't know about as much, and that's kind of why I started writing blogs about going to the parks. So they can give little people caveats about that. Yeah. Uh, what about Comerica? Did uh, Did you like so much? Yeah, it's a lot of the homage to yesteryear in there, and they were really good at doing that. I have to say PNC Park Pittsburgh has a similar process as Comerica Park to that. They have all the, the teams throughout the years. It's modern. It's brand new. It's It was kind of funny because if you go two miles to the left, two miles to the right, you might not be in the best area of town. But for right there, they've got the football field right there, and they've got Comerica Park. And, like, I didn't even know they had an amusement park in there for kids and everything. Yeah. And they've got so much interactive games you can play. If they, and it's also value-wise. You can get $10 seats that are really decent for the park. I mean, there's not a bad seat in that whole venue. Yeah. It's, uh, I've not been there. I went to Old Tiger Stadium uh, back in the 90s. So, uh, And that was great because of the history of it and everything like that. But it's interesting that – I always thought it was interesting that they, they built the new park for – the Tigers, they had such an iconic stadium that they had in Tiger Stadium, and at Comerica Park makes no attempt to look or feel like Tiger Stadium, at least on on television, in that, you know, Tiger Stadium was very on top of you, you know, very cramped, and the the, the, the two decks were kind of leaning over the, over the field, and Comerica seems very wide open, and it seems like it's you know the the stands and everything. It looks and are it just has a it doesn't have the claustrophobic feel that Tiger Stadium had. We were sitting right over the, the we were at the upper deck at Tiger looking over, and it was a great view. But I could it, it's just interesting that they they went the totally opposite direction for the new ballpark. Right, as opposed to Yankee Stadium that kept everything the exact same except for modernized all the facilities. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, so you've been to Turner Field. Um, I've been, I, I liked Turner Field when I was there. Uh, I, if you've listened to the podcast, my podcast, I know I do, um, you would know my plan for Turner Field, which is dynamic. Yeah, I know, I love it. Ship, ship it one by one over to Oakland so they can have a new stadium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, Turner Field's a perfectly good park, so just bring it cross country, dig a hole in, uh, the Oakland Coliseum parking lot, drop in Turner Field, boom, and boom. You have, you have Turner this, Field, former home of the Atlanta Braves, current home of the Oakland Athletics. How, how, yeah. Who loses? Who loses? Didn't they do that with London Bridge? I mean, can't they do it with a ballpark? <laughs> London Bridge is in, it's, it's in New Mexico, I think, or Arizona. I forget. It's somewhere in the desert. So, come on. We could do this. It's twenty. It's 2014. What the hell year? 2016. So yeah, and the uh, park's only 20 years old. Meanwhile, you got an Angel Stadium park they redid, and it's like 56 years old. And then you got Dodger Stadium that's still old, and it draws well, but it's a lot. <laughs> you know, it's not as great aesthetically as some of the other ballparks, but it's got the old ballpark feel still, which some people yeah. like. Yeah. And that's the loudest park I've ever been in. I swear to God, with you, when the 56,000 fans start rocking at Dodger Stadium, yeah, I, I, 
people might say that the other parks are louder too, but for me, for a guy that's a little bit sensitive to that kind of stuff, when I got concussion deals, I still right. have to go through here and there. Uh, when people get all crazy at Dodger Stadium, it, it kind of shakes to your core. Yeah. Do, do you ever go to the places where stadiums used to be, like the old – like uh, um, when I went to Cleveland with my father, we went to League Park, and now League Park's been refurbished and and renovated, but we were there. It was kind of decrepit and falling apart, but it was kind of like a ghost town. There's this old stadium just kind of sitting there in Cleveland that used to be the home of the Indians and the Spiders. Do you ever do you ever yeah. go on your the old ballpark pilgrimages? Well, unfortunately, because I waited so long to start going to stadiums, I, I didn't really get there before they started making Like, all the parks are brand new pretty much since 1991 anyway. Right. I mean, I didn't even get to – I was lucky as a kid. My dad took me. The first game I ever went to in my life, my 13th birthday party, was the inaugural year of Skydome. We went and watched Toronto play. Wow. And that was awesome. That Back then, I can remember thinking when I was in Skydome, this is the best place ever. you got McDonald's restaurant in there. I mean, Skydome <laughs> looked immensely cool. And now I go to Skydome and go, oh, man, this place is a dump. <laughs> oh, I think it's like that, the worst, one of the worst ballparks out there. I mean, it looks better now. They've got natural grass. And again, as opposed to that stupid field turf they've got that yeah, Tampa yeah. also uses. But right now, every time I go in there, I'm like, I can't believe this is the same venue I went in as a 13-year-old. This, this place is horrible. When that place opened, that was considered like, wow, here is the future, folks. The future looks amazing. I mean, they, people were in awe of Skydome when it opened. Well, and State it, of the Art, they had, they had a hotel right in there. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny that, that the Camden Yards opened, I'm going to say, three or four years afterwards, and, um, and immediately everything went in a totally different direction. And you just wonder if the Orioles had decided to go with kind of a modern stadium or like a futuristic stadium if we would have had the stadium explosion that we've had since then. Man, I'm glad they went the other way because I, I spent 26 games at Cabinet Yards last year. That place is incredible. I love yeah. Cabinet Yards. That I grew on me by the end of it. And the fans are actually, the ones that go there are all diehards. You cannot accuse them of being a corp, corporate sellout in any regard. Those are real fans that go all the game. They're so into the game. It's awesome. When you pack that place up, yeah, I, I've never been to the Camden Yards. I went to Memorial Stadium. I used to make a point to go to stadiums I knew were going to be torn down. And because of that, I've been to Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Not that that's torn down, but they don't use it anymore. I've been to Shea, Yankee, Three Rivers, Riverfront, Veteran, Memorial Stadium, Milwaukee County Stadium, uh, Turner Field, uh, Candlestick Park, the the – Anaheim Stadium, when it was enclosed for the football, like, you know, Oakland before they enclosed it for football. So there's all these uh, ballpark experiences that I've had. Old Cleveland Municipal Stadium. These ballpark experiences that I've had, uh, Tiger Stadium is another one, that you can't have anymore. You know, you can't. Yeah, with all, you're studying the lot that had AstroTurf as well. They don't even have AstroTurf anymore. Right. Right, and you know what? It's like I remember loving going to Riverfront Stadium, which was a concrete circle, but it looked like but I had memories of the Big Red Machine, and then they were like, oh, yeah, this is where they played, and it's right on the river. So it's, it's even though the stadium it was kind of nondescript, it was still a great experience going there. But, yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm glad that I've had that because 
now there's a ton of stadiums that I've never been to. And so I can, you know, I've been to 25, maybe 30 stadiums, but a bunch of them are now dust. So I can add more to the collection. Well, good news is a lot of them are, are new, other than, of course, coming out with another park that lasts so quick on the turnaround. you got probably a lot of time to go to the to all of the ones you haven't been to yet, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I guess I have to check Tampa off my list before they – well, I guess I don't have to do that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, by the way, that's not – it's so low on my park brackets. They are really good at entertaining kids, though. I will say that. It's a very good family atmosphere to go to a game at the Slop. And maybe I don't care so much because out here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, we have a park, BC Place Stadium, and they redid it, and it looks super now, and they have a retractable roof. That's size of a football field but they they had a stadium similar to the metrodome and it was indoors so for me i've always been used to going to venues indoors i actually don't mind tropicana field as much as other people do i'm not going to rate it high i'm just saying any day at the ballpark this was that thing i took a picture outside washington last year it was i think it was it was from joe, joe dimaggio and said i'd rather eat a hot dog than have a steak at the ritz any day in a hot dog at the ballpark no that was a quote from him there you go. All right, man. Well, look it. Thanks for thanks for just being a good supporter of of me, and it's always a pleasure that I've been able to help MLBReports.com any way I can because I love what you guys, I love what you do, and I and I love being a part of it. So it, and, it was a pleasure, Sully, for sure. And uh, hey, um, I'm glad to see you're. You're doing well health wise. I've wished you well a few times on the show and uh Yeah, I heard that. I appreciate that. And uh yeah, let's keep let's just keep on going. Wherever the future holds, let's just keep on going and we'll have a whole new baseball season moving forward and lots of baseball to talk about, lots of stadiums to go to. So Yeah. Hey next time we'll talk about how hard it was to archive all of podcast for the first four years. I, I was so funny. I was sitting there not minding my own business last year. I, I'd done all my previews early, and then I saw the problem that you had with SoundCloud, that you could only have 250 days worth of archives, and that all the old archives that you'd posted on the site all were magically disappeared, and then you'd have to update them again by posting the same. You could post the same one again. So, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more in a future day, but I... I couldn't believe when I'm look at the scale of it. Wow, this is 1490 or whatever it is you're up to now. How yeah. many? How hard it was to archive. It's like I can only imagine you writing down little every little note and detail. How hard it was for you to archive those so far and get up to date. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a pain in the ass. That's what it was. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It was a monumental pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, well, now that you've done it, now you can, uh, can just say, hey, I'm never going to wait another four years to re-archive them all again. Now you'll, now you'll be up to it more. I had to retitle um, and, and then repost, and and, they're all, and you can see me, they're, they're, I do the Sully Baseball Rewind on SullyBaseball.com. Uh, you'll see every day this year, I, there's on this date and this, 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 and you'll see like on this, like for whatever day it is, December 1st, 2012, 13, 14, 15, and keep in mind that it's more than just a Facebook post. I had to go back to the SoundCloud clip, rename it, re, you know, write the episode number and the new name, and then download that into my own personal archive so I have a copy, uh, an MP3 copy of every single episode that I have on the 
three hard drives yeah. that I have uh, backed up. I just here. I also wanted to let people know too that if they're looking, I haven't been able to do it for the last few months. I've got all of all of your archives individually labeled in months. They can go if they want to listen to September of 2013. They can go on one post, and it's right. There's a page right on MLBReports.com, and they can go and, and and get 30 episodes at once, all on one page post, and they can just go down and, and hit the play button on all your all your little links there, because it comes in 30 or 31 days at a time. You and me, Chuck, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna conquer baseball. <laughs> well, I said when you're when you're commissioner, you can name me like some other deal on that. But there's a lot of people on Twitter that have been saying we definitely we've even had the hashtag going solely for commish well, over the years. Hey, folks! Hey, hey! If you're listening to this podcast, hashtag solely for commission. And don't give me this number four shit. Solely <laughs> for commish. There you go. Like the show, the commission with Michael Chiklis, a big Red Sox fan. We're both in person of Anzino. So, all right, man. Hey, let's. Why don't we sign off? Okay, for sure. Off. Um, go to SullyBaseball.com. Go to MLBReports.com. Uh, you can't say to see the updated listings of who owns baseball. Because no one owns baseball, and I'm not doing the fall league because I'm a human being. Uh, you go to uh, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. YouTube, Facebook, uh, I said Twitter, I'm on Instagram, it's only baseball podcast. I'm probably some other social media sites I don't even know about. Check it, check me out on MySpace probably. I don't know, maybe I'm on Friendster. Uh, you, if you want to be real old school, just send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Marching towards episode number 1,500 along with one of my many partners in crime, Mr. Chuck Booth. Say hi to everyone, Chuck Booth. Thanks a lot, Sully. All right, hey, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Frank Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>